With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pokey hangover, Ricky. It is Monday, February 13th. I put out a tweet last Monday night, uh, February 6th, which would have been one week since we had previously recorded. I said, we are returning tonight. Um, <laughs> I, here's, here's, here's what happened. Um, about 25 minutes before we were going to begin recording, my internet went out. Did not return until... The following afternoon. So, who is your I, ISP again? Uh, that's Comcast. Ah, uh, good old, good old, reliable Comcast. Yes. Which morning after the Super Bowl, by the way, I read a story this afternoon that like thousands of people right outside of Philadelphia um, lost the feed to the Super Bowl yesterday thanks to Comcast. So <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> I read that and I was like, you know what? That Hopefully sounds about the, right. Uh, Hopefully they didn't riot about it. Yeah. Um, Was that too soon? Oh, what? I mean, they've had some of those already. And anyway, (laughs) um, so we didn't record last week. Uh, Yeah, that was Monday night. And then we just couldn't find a time to work the rest of the week. It's just Ricky and I tonight. Um, Andrew's been traveling. He's feeling a little rundown. He's not joining us. Uh, That's fine. I've been there. I have a kid. I've, I've traveled before also. Um, all those things I get, I get being run down. I understand that. So um, Andrew will be back hopefully when we record next week, but um, Ricky, I mean, I, I've been trying to record this on a weekly basis and I am to blame for last week. So well, here we here's are. A, here's the deal. I, I think all of us would like to put stuff out more, more consistently. And as, as the season get you know, gets closer, I'm confident that we'll be able to do that. Um, I'm I'm confident that some of the things that you're dealing with as a new dad will slowly go away as as Noah gets older. Yes. Um, and then I think we'll be able to buckle down a little bit. But Andrew's got his big boy job and and he's traveling and working a lot. And we all know that you're working approximately 37 jobs. Um, and then I'm also working kind of some odd hours some nights. So. This is this is the life of being in your late twenties, early thirties. I feel yep. like. like this is this is just how it is. This is how it is. Um, <laughs> we're I I agree with all that. We're presented by Main Street Pharmacy, Rick. Um, you know, we try to do them justice when we do record. So yeah, like so, I'll, I'll give a I'll give a quick testimonial, even though I'm not sure it's, it qualifies as testimonial. So I live in Virginia Beach, right? Uh, 
I don't know that there is a like small pharmacy in my area. You know how much I would like to have one, like a main street pharmacy? A lot. So if you're in the Blacksburg area or the Christiansburg area, I would strongly consider that you go to Main Street Pharmacy and let them take care of you. A lot of our listeners have, Rick. A lot absolutely. of our listeners have, hence the uh, sponsorship. Yes, absolutely. Good, good stuff. Shout out, Jeremy. Appreciate his support when we do hit record. Rick, <laughs> let's talk about our terrible basketball team, shall we? Oh, dude. So men's, I got... men's basketball, to be clear. Men's basketball. Women's yeah. basketball is a wagon. Men's basketball, not very good. Yeah, although I do think some folks got a little over their skis on the women's team. Like, I agree. Some folks I agree. were talking like top five team, and it's like, hold on, folks. Like, like let's let's try and stay in the top ten. Uh, right. But no, the women's team phenomenal, phenomenal year. Kenny Brooks is doing a great job over there. Um, you can't lose the Boston College at home. <laughs> No, well, let, let's like, let's let's back up. Let's back up one step, right? So, since we last recorded, yes, we were talking correct. about we were talking about Tech having a big game against UVA at home. Tech won that game. Also, we were talking about a potential win on the road against Miami, which they didn't like. They they True. showed yeah. well, yeah, yeah. at least especially on the offensive end, but weren't able to pull it out. But you win at home against the best team in the ACC. Yep. Uh, a potential national championship team. Um, you strangle them defensively. You have a really good offensive showing. Um, a very, very sound win. Uh, Virginia Tech has now beaten the Hoos the last three years inside Castle, which is yeah. got to piss off Tony Bennett. Um, so, like, so on February 5th, right, the day after the UVA game, I think all of us thought that. Oh boy, here it comes. Here's here's a chance to have the run that 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 the team had last year, especially with how the schedule was setting up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You get you get a, a sub 500 team at home in Boston College. You get a bad Notre Dame team on the road. Uh, I mean, the the schedule is littered with winnable games. Um, your toughest your toughest opponent at this point is Miami, but you get them at home. You do have a trip to Cameron Indoor, which is certainly a winnable game given Duke's struggles. Right. Um, Pitt at home might be kind of a tough game, but like there, there were so many chances that Virginia Tech would have had to start making that that final run towards the bubble. Because even after the win against Virginia, they were still not on the bubble. Right. Right. Like they they, they still had a lot of work to do, but they were in the they were in the. Uh... You know, Joe Lenardi, who is basically the only one I follow for his brackets because he, you know, he gets like 67 has, out of the 68 teams. He has figured teams out their, their, uh, all their criteria. He's he's gotten it down to a pretty good science. Yeah, so I mean, I, I just basically look at his religiously. Um, you know, we had like six, he always picks like 67 out of the 68, correct? Or, you know, something absurd. And Tech was in the uh, considered bucket which is basically like he's got last four in first four out next four out right so he's got like the eight teams that are like on the bubble and then he's got like the considered category which he puts in a really small font on his bracketology yeah. snapshots he puts on twitter right and virginia tech's been living in that category for the living, last like two months living there and then they lost to boston college 
Rick, Virginia Tech loses at home to Boston College. Boston College has now beaten Virginia Tech twice this year. Mike Young cannot beat Boston College for some reason. Um, BC is a matchup nightmare because they have, like, really, really big front line. And Virginia Tech has a really, really small front line. A little bit bigger than the Buzz Williams era, but not that much bigger. And BC poses a mismatch to Virginia Tech underneath. They killed the Hokies on the glass. They killed the Hokies in the paint. Virginia Tech loses that game. Then Boston College on Saturday, well, Virginia Tech beat Notre Dame on Saturday. Fine. Notre Dame's terrible. They went to South Bend, got a win. Great. Um, Boston College on Saturday, like three days after they beat Virginia Tech in Castle Coliseum, lost to North Carolina State by 30 at home. That's why you can't lose to Boston College at Castle. That's why you probably shouldn't have lost to them in Chestnut Hill. Virginia Tech is a frustrating example of a team with a very, maybe not very, a high ceiling and a low floor. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of room in the middle, and you don't really know what you're going to get on a consistent basis with this bunch. And there's a lot of a lot of flaws that we knew about going into the year that at least I, I mean I've been beating a drum about it really the last two years because the problems really haven't changed. Um, Tech does not have a backup point guard. So Hunter Couture is having to play backup point, which is not not what he's best suited for. Kevin Luma was always kind of a a, a bad defender. Um, Grant Basili, I think, is worse on the inside, which is which is frustrating because they miss, Grant is such, they miss Aluma's defense. He's such a Grant is such a talented offensive scorer. Yeah, for a big man, it's very very. Uh, very very helpful he's on fire he's on fire his last yeah. five acc games on the offensive end yeah um and they just don't really have a lot of depth uh, up and down the roster i mean rodney rice is hurt they're the whole darius maddox situation i'm not really sure what's going on there anymore um i have a feeling darius might have played his last game in a, in a tech uniform which is disappointing so the this is this is who Tech is. Tech is a, 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 a team that can play up to their competition, and they can certainly play down to their competition. And in a year where the ACC is bad, uh, for the most part, uh, you're just not going to put yourself in a position to win enough games to make the tournament playing basketball like this. So Virginia Tech, essentially just needs to stay healthy at this point and hope that they can win the ACC tournament because yeah, there is no reason, no realistic way that they're able to secure an at-large bid without winning or secure an at-large bid in, in general. It's, it's the ACC tournament or bust. Yeah. I mean, they now have a couple of quad three losses, which are really hard to up, you know, really hard to overcome. Um, and Virginia tech has been short on the quadrant one, wins too right like well they haven't had many opportunities i mean like in in past years you would be able to look at like all of your duke games would be quad one games carolina quad one yeah louisville even like five six years ago quad one yeah not even probably like three or four even yeah florida state quad one um notre dame possibly a quad one game depending on 
depending on the circumstances, Syracuse, Clemson, like these are all teams in which like tech would have been able to benefit from playing a tougher schedule, but the ACC is just down this year. And yeah. um, that means your margin for error is, is markedly, markedly smaller. And the Hokies have, have not been able to, to overcome all of the issues that they've been dealing with. I mean, Clemson has been in the upper tier of the conference for most of the year, right? They're 18 and seven, they're 10 and four in the ACC and they're on the bubble. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Um, Duke's yep. on the bubble. Carolina's on the bubble. <laughs> I mean, they're in. They're probably How wild both. is it that Duke and Carolina played in the national championship game last year? And those teams are on the bubble. It's, I mean, even you look at Pittsburgh, like, Pittsburgh still isn't ranked. They're the second best team in the ACC. They're still not ranked. You know, you mentioned Carolina and Duke were in the final four. Like Duke is probably in the tournament if the season ends today. Carolina very much on the bubble. But like Duke is like a loss or two away from being like right there on Selection Sunday trying to figure out if they're going to be in the field or not. Even outside the ACC, like Kentucky's on the bubble. It's just a very weird year. And it's tough. I mean, we we talked all year about how bad Florida State is, and Virginia Tech's behind Florida State in the ACC standings. Virginia Tech's behind Boston College now in the ACC standings. Virginia Tech had two two winnable games against Clemson, lost them both. Right, like it's tough right now. Like te- Tech's had their chances, not even for quad one games, but like because I I your point's well taken, and I don't think Tech's had a lot of quad one opportunities, but like quad two games that they've just kind of let go by the wayside. The Clemson games, obviously the Miami game in castle tough loss. I thought tech played well in that game. Um, not well enough defensively, but I thought offensively certainly played well enough. So, I mean, they, they've had their opportunities. Um, even <laughs> going back to beginning of the year that college of Charleston game is kind of looming large. Um, Charleston's a wagon, right? <laughs> They're real good. And, Tech lost basically a bona fide road game. That was a quad one. That was a quad one game, Rick. That's how good Charleston is this year. That was a quad one game that Virginia Tech went down to a wire and lost against a really, really good team. And that that's that was just another opportunity kind of slipped away. I remember watching that game and them losing and thinking, man, that's that's a brutal loss, but not because Charleston was good. Like, I remember thinking, wow, you just lost to the College of the Blind in South Carolina. <laughs> and then it turns out that Charleston's actually really good. Yeah, they're good. Um, so for all intents and purposes, that's not a, a, a bad loss. But the second you start looking at your resume and trying to find the good losses, you're out. You're out. So yeah. um, Mike Young's got a lot of work to do this offseason, like, Obviously, the season's not over. There's a lot of games left, which is also frustrating, right? That you've got what six games left, and your 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 season is effectively over. I mean, yeah. that's that's aggravating. You got let me let me count them. That's three, four, five, six. Yeah, six games left in the regular season. Um, that's frustrating, and 
this roster is going to look very different next year. Um, there's a there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, they're going to have new starters at multiple positions. Um, Mutz and Basili at least are gone. Maybe Couture. He's got a sixth gear if he wants to use it. They're going to have to hope he uses it. Yeah. If he doesn't, and then I mean, and, and then Maddox gone. Go, I was going to say we go back to what is Maddox's status. I mean, for a guy that was apparently sought after last off season as a as a transfer candidate. Um, what are the odds that he sticks around after this right. year's over? I would probably be low. Yeah, low. Um, low. I mean, there's a chance so, that Sean Padula so is the only returning starter. Yeah, so then you're looking at what Sean Padula, MJ Collins, and maybe John Camden. Lynn I mean, Kid, Lynn Kid, probably. I mean, you're going to have yeah. rotational guys. It's. I'll tell you what, Rick. It's going to be a lesser version. I, I'm not even talking about like better or better or worse players. I'm. I'm talking just like it's going to be kind of like the transition from last year to this year in terms of guys taking on new roles, right? You got Padula stepping in as a full-time starter, Maddox stepping in as a full-time starter, um, Basili coming in, right? Um, the only mainstay, really, the only two mainstays were Couture and Maddox in terms – I'm sorry, Couture and Mutz in terms of, like, guys who had started last year. Um, except you look at kind of next year's roster and what it could look like. Lynn Kidd could step in as a starter, assuming he doesn't transfer, right? It's, again, assuming these guys don't transfer. Lynn Kidd could step in as a starter. MJ Collins is probably going to start more regularly. He's been starting with Maddox out. He'll probably continue to start. You hope that Rodney Rice stays, right? Which, you know, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't at this point. But you think about how long it took for the medical staff to clear him. I don't know what necessarily was going on with that situation um, initially, you know, with the first injury with his ankle, it seemed like, you know, Mike Young was saying for a couple of weeks, <laughs> three, maybe even three weeks up to a month that he looks good, but we're just waiting for the medical staff to give the okay. What was the hold up there? Right. Is that, you know, did that frustrate him? Who knows? Right. So not to be tinfoil hat guy, but you hope Rodney Rice sticks around. And again, I mean, that's that's the day and age that we live in, though, Mike. Like, it's not it's not conspiratorial to to, to have to spend part of your conversation every single year about who's staying and who's going because yeah. there's movement every year now. And even on a, a, a roster as small as basketball, you're going to have movement. So. This is um, Mike Young's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, this off season, no doubt. He's got a he's got a lot of work to do. I mean, he's got two freshmen coming in, neither of which are are, are considered high end prospects. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would assume that they're going to be in the market for at least one transfer. You got Buchanan yeah. and you got Buchanan and Wessler who are redshirting this year that you yeah. hope can make some sort of impact at least off the bench next year, right? You wouldn't expect them to redshirt then start, um, but at least come off the bench and give you some minutes. And then, um, I mean, 
Melijah Poti is he starting next year? That's right. Does he stick around? He's been kind of the odd man out of the big man rotation. I know he's played, but you know, he's been um on the lesser end of the minutes. He's kind of been that third big man or fourth even, right? It's kind of been Mutz Basili, Lynn Kidd, and and then Petit, right? So, you know, does he step into I mean, I, I would anticipate he steps into a larger role. But Man, there are there are some questions. I, I think the big one that I think has plagued Mike Young the last couple of seasons is the lack of a lack of a secondary ball handler. I I know that, you know, Padula was that guy behind Storm Murphy last year, but Tech didn't really have one behind Wabisabidi a couple of years back. And that really hurt that roster. And they just it's kind of been a problem that's continued to pop up. And I just hope that that's something that gets remedied because point guard is just such an important, it's just such an important piece to the roster at the college level. Like you have to have, you know, primary ball handlers and there's just been so much. I, I think Padula overall is, has had a, a decent year. I think it could have been a lot better if he had somebody else to kind of ease the burden off of him. He's had some really, really bad moments in terms of like turnovers and stuff like that. But then you kind of take a step back and think about like, he's been playing like, 37 minutes at night. I mean, you kind of have to live with some of the turnovers from just with just a fatigue factor. You know what I mean? Well, Virginia tech has not developed well under Mike young, pure and simple. I mean, Joe Bama seal did not pan out. Mm -mm. Darius Maddox is on the, on the, on the fence. Right. Um, I mean, outside of a hot stretch, in February last year, he we can we can say he hasn't developed, right? Yeah, I mean I David mean, David Gasson hasn't developed. Um, Sean Padula, I think was a, a, a I think we can say that was a good signing as a freshman. Mm-hmm. But like you start to go through the guys that Mike Young has signed, and they haven't really panned out into being starters. No, um, I, Rick, I was and not to not to cut you off, but like the David Gusan thing, I was watching Kansas State over the weekend and like Gusan's playing huge minutes at Kansas State and he looks pretty good. And it's just like infuriating. He could have yeah. really contributed on this roster. Yeah. So now you're looking at the next crop, right? Which just got here this year. Rodney Rice, who knows what his status is. And Wessler, uh, red shirting. MJ Collins looks like he has a chance to be maybe kind of a role player, you know, a, a, a fifth starter or something like that. If he develops a jump shot, I think he has a chance to be very good. Um, but really, the, I mean, Mike Young's – the almost all of Mike Young's success can be built on the transfers. Mutz, um, Mutz Aluma. And that's – Couture is not really a transfer, but he, he is in the sense that he was committed to Wofford. Right. Yeah, um, right. But, yeah, so, like, Mike Young has got a lot of work cut out for him. I think Mike Young is a good coach. But uh, those who criticize Mike Young and his inability to develop some of his freshmen are not wrong. And ultimately, I'm worried that that's going to hinder him moving forward. I think – I'm starting to think if the player development stuff doesn't get 
more ironed out than it has been, I think there's going to be a pretty defined ceiling for Virginia Tech, especially when you consider just kind of how the Hokies are recruiting. They're not recruiting poorly. I wouldn't say they're recruiting at like an all-world level either. Yeah, um, they're 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 a, a middle of the road recruiting team, mm-hmm. and that's probably their ceiling. I mean, they they had a good class the year they signed Bamasil and Maddox. Yep. But when you sign those guys and they don't work out, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Like you can you can sign four and five star guys all day long, but if they don't turn into starters, they don't turn into impact players. It doesn't right. matter. Right. And Rodney Rice was the crown jewel of of this class. He's been hurt. Right. So it's kind of too early to tell. But like year one is a throwaway. And, and, you know, and people were saying before the start of the year, it's like, oh, well, Rodney Rice is going to play big time minutes. There is no no evidence to show other than maybe Sean Padula that Mike Young freshmen play big time minutes and they play well. Right. Like it just it's not there. So. It's just hard too. I mean, I think, I think casual college basketball fans look at like the Dukes and like Carolina is a bad example, but like maybe like the Dukes and the Kansases of the world, where like they bring in a freshman, he's like a five star, and he contributes right away as a freshman, and they just kind of expect that to kind of roll forward with a guy like Rodney Rice, who highly touted recruit, not a five star though, and by and large, like most kids as freshmen have trouble stepping into big time college basketball and contributing to the level that I think a lot of Virginia tech fans were hoping that Rodney Rice would contribute this year, right? Where he's going to step in. And I know there are some fans that thought like Rodney Rice was going to step in and average like 15 a game in the ACC. That's just not realistic. Like I, that that would be fantastic. But like realistically, like if he came in and contributed like, eight points and three or four assists and played like meaningful rotation. Yeah. Meaningful rotation minutes. Like that would be outstanding as a freshman, in my opinion. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think, I think it's kind of like expectations get skewed just because of the conference Virginia tech plays in, right. Where you're seeing, you know, Duke Carolina, um, just sign these mammoth, classes right where these freshmen are contributing right away but like you look at like the uvas of the world like tony bennett's got a very good developmental program right like they bring in transfers but they develop guys right you're not seeing a lot of a lot of you see freshmen here and there contributing right like Jaden gardner came in last year maybe two years ago contributed as a freshman it was a good player but like they don't have anybody like jumping off the page as a true freshman and even under buzz williams Right. Virginia Tech had like Nikhil Alexander Walker. Right. And he he was a great player. Top 20 draft pick in the NBA. That was awesome. Right. Stepped in, played a big role. But you'll remember, Ricky, as a freshman, Nikhil Alexander Walker wasn't that good. Right. It was the jump freshman to sophomore year where it's like, wow, this is the prospect everybody was talking about. You could see kind of flashes of it as a freshman, but he didn't put it all together yet. I yeah. feel like that's that's the case. With like 95 percent of freshmen, I feel like at the college yeah, level. I don't. I don't need I don't need freshmen to come in at Virginia Tech and play thirty five minutes and and put up fifteen shots a night. I do need them to come in and at least look like they belong in limited time and then not transfer the following year. Right. Because 
Virginia Tech in just about every college basketball program on the planet, excluding the few exceptions, are going to be developmental programs. Yeah. Well, like MJ Collins he, is a good example, Rick. Like, yeah, he's come I'm, in I'm, and I'm he's been really MJ good. Collins because he he's showing he belongs at least yep. as a role player. Yep. So you know where the floor is. Yep. So now, as he goes into his second year, you start to think, okay, can he can he work on this? Can he can he give me ten more minutes a night, and and be and be productive? And can he not be a liability? on either end of the floor because if yeah. you can all of a sudden you've got yourself at least a, a a a comparable starter who is worthy of playing in the ACC and that's when you know when, when you get a three in, star prospect that's what you're looking for essentially when he agree when he stepped in and i i get duke's a little down this year but it's still duke they still got duke on the front of the jersey when mj collins came into that duke game the tech won a couple of weeks ago when he stepped in and strapped up, made some big time shots down the stretch and played really good defense, I was like, you know what? This kid's going to be just fine, <laughs> right? Like he stepped in and did not, bl- I get it was a home game. It wasn't a camera and whatever. It's still Duke. He stepped in. He didn't blink. He didn't blink. Yeah. He played, he was playing out of his mind in the second half. I'm like, okay, they can work with this, right? Yeah. Which is really all you're hoping for. I think if you're Mike Young with some of these younger guys, right? And I've noticed is I've noticed a trend under Young, where if you play defense, you play early, right? So everybody was clamoring for Darius Maddox to get on the floor more last year, right? I remember that. Um, yeah. and the big gripe, right, and the thing that Mike Young openly said was holding Darius Maddox back from getting bigger minutes is that he had to guard more consistently, right? The same thing that Mike Young said about Hunter Couture. We we all talk about Hunter Couture as the best defender on the team, right? Really good on-ball defender. He's developed into an excellent ACC basketball player on the wing with how he defends, right? Mike Young openly says when Hunter Couture got to Blacksburg, he couldn't guard Mike Young is what, is what he would say, right? That was, that was the, the running joke for a while. But Mike Young played Couture later into his freshman year because like more meaningful minutes because Couture started to get better on the defensive end. MJ Collins, both by circumstance with Ronnie Rice being hurt, Darius Maddox being out of the lineup has had to play more. But the reason why MJ Collins was getting minutes early on in his career was because he was defending, right? And Sean Padula last year, why wasn't Sean Padula playing more? Well, the, the question marks about his defense have kind of carried over to this year, right? Virginia Tech's had some some bad moments in the backcourt defensively. Sean Padula has been a part of a lot of them because he's played 37 minutes a night, right? So I think that Virginia Tech's defense is a big reason why they've been really, really inconsistent this year, right? I think the defense has been a disappointment. You mentioned Basili earlier, Rick. I think that was a really great point. Like, Aluma wasn't a great defender, but he was at least in the right position more often than not, right? He's kind of like a slender build, so he was, you know, his defense was a bit limited, but he was at least in the right position. Basili, like, was struggling for a large portion of ACC play, and he still struggles a couple possessions a game where he's just not in the right position defensively. And that has really hurt Virginia Tech. Tech has missed Aluma in that regard this year. Mutz is a good defender. Couture is a good defender, but the backcourt defense has not been good enough. And Virginia Tech really only has two defenders they can rely on. And then a third is a, a third is MJ Collins and he's a freshman, right? So he's going to make some freshman mistakes defensively. 
that's why Tech is struggling, right? They lost eight out of ten for a reason. Yeah, Hunter Couture is out of the lineup, but you know that's one defender off the floor. That's a big part of your offense, right? Your three point shooting, a guy who could sp- who spreads the floor offensively. That's another ball handler off the floor. Like that Couture loss was huge, but even with him back in the lineup, Tech has still struggled defensively, and it says a lot about Couture that you know Virginia Tech was just so far in the hole defensively when he was out of the lineup. They were really, really lost. And they've gotten better since he's gotten back, but they've still struggled. They gave up 87 to a Notre Dame team that's not any good. Um, they gave up 92 to Miami. That was a killer. They gave up 70 um, to Syracuse. That was that was a nice win by Virginia Tech offensively, and I thought defensively they played pretty well. But even in that game, like Syracuse has no business scoring 70 with that offense they're putting out night to night. And so, they gave up 82 to Boston College. And they gave up 82 to Boston College. So this has not been a good defensive team this year, and that's a big reason why Tech's in the hole they're in. Yeah, and we're going to have to wait till next year to see any changes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see where, where they go here, and I, I don't know what the roster is going to look like. I, I think best-case scenario for Virginia Tech is that Hunter Couture comes back for his sixth year because if he doesn't, I don't know what this team's going to look like. Forget the offense, Rick. I don't know what this team's going to look like defensively next season if Couture's not back. I mean, he holds he holds the cards to, I think, how good or bad Virginia Tech's going to be next year. I, I think this is the floor, right? I think this, you know, whatever this ends up being, a 12 or 13 loss season, you know, if Tech finishes like 18 and 13, I think this is probably the floor, right? I'm not sure it gets worse than this but I'm not sure how much better it gets if you lose a guy like Couture on top of losing Mutz and Basili, who's going to exhaust his eligibility. I don't know what this is going to look like next year. Transfer portal, here we come. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> I mean, Young hasn't been shy about using it, right? So it's going to... Well, when your freshmen aren't turning into productive players and they're not even staying on the roster, yeah, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. And it's also just part of college basketball, right? I mean, ideally you'd only be adding like one or two players a year, right? Like he had a lot of guys returning to this team this year. He really only had to add Vasily. So that was from from the portal. So, I mean, that was nice, right? But then this team's not panning out either. So I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes in college basketball, you just like, it doesn't make sense, right? Like Notre Dame with Mike Bray, they they're playing four freshmen and a five-star point guard. And they're terrible. <laughs> and Mike Bray is stepping away at the end of the year from Notre Dame. But he's a good coach. He's he's won a lot of basketball games. He's 20 years yeah. in South Bend. They have four seniors, a five-star freshman, and they can't win anything. And their, their best team that I can remember was when they had a bunch of seniors and unheralded guys and, like, Bonzi Colson's playing center at 6'5". Yeah. And, Connaughton and Grant. Yeah, yeah Connaughton's uh carving out his basketball career and getting eschewing my Orioles who drafted him. Like that was he's still was playing deep. at the NBA rotation yeah, mids for the Bucks. He's been good. Wild, man. Been good. Wild. I, I would have not I would have not pegged him as an NBA player. He's good. He's good. Um yeah that that they had back to back elite eight teams and since then they've 
pretty much been bad, except for last year. They they made it to the round of 32, nearly made a sweet 16, and they were returning everybody and adding J.J. Starling, really talented freshman. Notre Dame was on everybody's radar as like a top five or six ACC team. Now they're like a bottom three ACC team, so that's a surprise. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sick of talking about basketball. It's depressing me. So let's talk about football. It depresses me more. Yeah, the – and what sucks about the basketball conversation too is it's not going to get much better as the season goes on. Um, but at least with the football team, Virginia Tech had a very transformational off season as it relates to the roster. I think that that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, the amount of new guys that were brought in, um, the amount of freshmen, obviously, but the transfers and and, and the transfers at key positions. Uh, so Mike and I figured we would kind of split all this in half and do offense and defense separately. Then um, Andrew would be able to to join in on the defensive discussion next week. Um, so, well, I guess we can start it off by saying who's who's the odd man out at the end of the spring at quarterback. <laughs> um, well, I mean, let's let's start here, right? Jason Brown's gone. Yep. Right. So Grant Wells is still here. Taj is still here. Your boy Taj still yep. still in Blacksburg. Taj train. Uh Devin think, Farrell. I, Devin Farrell, right? I I think I think Taj is out. Um Kyron Drone's didn't coming he, in from Baylor. Didn't he, a, didn't he win like some like strength and conditioning award? He won his strength and conditioning award and I follow I follow Taj on Twitter. And um from our uh, SI All Hokies days, Rick. I follow Taj Bullock on Twitter because we were following his recruitment so closely. And um, he's he's putting out videos of him, like, training in the offseason. He's working really hard, you know, um, for, for an opportunity, whether it's at Tech or elsewhere. Uh, I think he's probably the odd man out because I think Virginia Tech is looking for a very specific type of quarterback, right? And I don't think, by the way, I, I don't think Grant Wells is is going to be playing a ton either. Personally, <clears throat> I think. Yeah, um, I not. yeah I, I think Virginia Tech's in a spot offensively where they are going to be moving more towards the spread, <laughs> which we didn't think was going to be the plan. And I don't even think Brent Pry thought it was going to be the plan, but I think he just kind of acknowledged that like what they ran last year is just not going to work. <laughs> with the personnel and kind of how they have to recruit in Virginia and that sort of thing. And so what do they do? They go into the transfer portal. They get Kyron drones, right. Who was a four star out of high school. Uh, didn't play really at all at Baylor backup quarterback. So he's basically a prospect, but his high school tape was good. A good high school player. And Wayne I, Lawson was also a good high school player. Don't do this to me. <laughs> isn't isn't law isn't Lawson? St- I'm pretty sure Lawson's still playing college football as like a converted tight end. I swear to God. I think he was on a roster last year, but I don't think he's on a roster anymore. Um, is he is he prepping? I I saw something recently. He's either on a roster still or he's like preparing for the NFL draft as a tight end. I think. Let's uh let's uh see what we got here. Oh my God. Uh, Dwayne Lawson played last year as. They had him listed at six seven. That's comical. Um, they Not had him quite listed that tall. at Missouri. Is this Missouri State? That, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, as a wideout. 
Yeah. He had 26 catches for 488 yards. Oddly enough, the 488 yards would have been better, I think, than all but one receiver on Tech's roster last year. Everybody except Caleb. Yeah, except Caleb Smith, who's now who's, gone. <laughs> who's now at Notre Dame. Yeah. Which, so. uh, which really quick, I'm kind of surprised that Caleb Smith has not transferred again to Alabama. Same with Hartman, even though Hartman yeah. probably isn't an Alabama quarterback. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't transferred out of South Bend. Notre and Dame Hartman is infinitely better than Milrow at Alabama. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I, like, I, think, I think so. If, if Tommy Reese can get Sam Hartman, he absolutely should. But back yeah. to the quarterbacks that wear maroon. Um, sadly, I think you're right. Taj is probably gone. Uh, I was surprised that he stuck it out last year. Um, but when you bring in three quarterbacks, two of which are freshmen, even though one of them may end up moving positions, you bring three quarterbacks in there's got to be at least one or two guys that are on their way out after that I doubt Devin Farrell is going to leave this early yeah I was going to say too early for Farrell yeah if you have if you have five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster that's not a bad number you'll probably see some more attrition next year but Taj is probably gone which is a shame but he he's He's the only quarterback left on the roster that was not recruited or signed by the current staff. So right. he's right. he's kind of persona non grata in the quarterback room. Um, so I think it, it just kind of writes itself, honestly. I mean, there was reports of Farrell getting third-team reps over oh, Posh, yeah. who had been there longer. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's – kind of the writing on the wall, but at the same time, I am surprised that Taj still hasn't transferred though. So I, I guess he's looking, I mean, I, I guess from Taj's standpoint, right. He's looking at it like, all right, they bring in, they bring in drones who I, I let's look at it from the, from the lens of Taj Bullock, right. They bring in tr- drones who hasn't really played. He's played as much college football as Taj Bullock. Right. So that's, wild. that's how Bullock's going to look at it. Right. He's going to say Grant Wells ain't it. Like Bullock's not, Bullock's not stupid. He's like Grant Wells isn't it. They're not going to do. They're probably not going to run that back, right? And then he's probably thinking, well, I got to compete with Devin, which, you know, I've been competing with Devin. Am I going to run away from that? So, I think from Todd's yeah, point the, of view, the chances of them going after the or starting either of the two true freshmen are small, right? So, I mean, I I think from Bullock's standpoint, he's like. What am I going to run from the competition? He's thinking it's probably going to be wide open. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's probably his mindset. I would say that wait, what you just said, well, you weren't recruited by this staff, right? You're not really this, you're not really their guy. They they might look, I'm assuming they very much like Taj Bullock. I'm sure they like him. You know, he works hard. At, no reason to think they don't like him. Um, but you weren't recruited by this staff, right? They didn't tell you to leave either, but like you weren't recruited by the staff. So it's an uphill battle to begin with. Right. And I just think it's going to be tough sledding for him. I think Kyron drones is probably going to start Rick. I I just don't see. I just don't see tech doing the grant Wells thing again. I don't see it. I mean, drones was there supposedly, I mean, 
this could be misinformation. Jones was supposedly their top guy that they targeted in the portal at quarterback. Right. He better start. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, he yeah. he better be the guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he's if he is your your guy that you wanted, considering all the quarterbacks that were available in the transfer portal this offseason, that Virginia Tech did not make a serious run at any of them that we are aware of. Um, and as we've said several times on this podcast, Grant Wells is not a starting quarterback in the ACC. Uh, Jerome's better be the guy. And if he's not, I think there's a serious problem. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a scenario in which Devin Farrell beats him out, which, hey, if – if fine. Devin Farrell earns it, fine. fine. Okay with it. Fine with me. But, yeah, fine. But if if Drones is QB one for on the target board, then he he better end up being the guy. I agree. And if he gets beat out, he gets beat out. Just don't let it get beat out by Wells again. Yeah. Not again. Just like don't let him get beat out by Wells. Period. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I'm of the opinion, and I'm just a guy right but i'm of the opinion that you know virginia tech is in this in the middle of this hard rebuild right this hard reset of the program like you on one hand you got to play the guys who have a lot of experience that you know can contribute they've played like meaningful games at the at the college level right which that's kind of what brent Pry's approach was last year which i think was the right one even though it didn't pan out i think that's the right approach but like this is a position where I think you're going to have to take a swing, right? Because Wells is just not going to protect the football in a way that he needs to, right? In the ACC, that was a concern coming in. And he's just simply not going to give you what I think drones can give you with his legs where, you know, even if drones is not an outstanding passer, right? When he steps in, he at least gives you an added element where Virginia Tech can move the ball a little bit. You know, Tech wasn't running the ball well enough last year to really give Wells a chance. But at the same time, like, Wells didn't give you that ability outside the pocket, right, where, you know, the running game didn't provide you any sort of help. Like, you could kind of make a play here or there to extend drives and kind of put the offense on your back a little bit. Unless you're capable of just throwing dimes from the pocket and you've got receivers that are able to get open on their own and you have a line that can hold up. You've got to be able to improvise and create as a quarterback. That's, yeah. that is the way the football is played now. It just, that that's how it is. So yeah, you, you can't be a statue. You have to be able to create with your legs. I thought Grant Wells did a little bit of that last year. And I actually argued that he needed to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but too often, Grant would just hold the ball and and not create. Yeah, that's not going to be that's not going to be able to get, win you any games, especially when your receiving core is not an elite receiving core. This is not Ohio State. This is not Alabama. Uh, this is not LSU from 2019 or 2020, whenever that year was. Uh, your offensive line is going to have plenty of holes in it. There's plenty going to be plenty of inexperience there. As a quarterback, you have to be able to create. So whoever's going to be able to improvise the best is probably going to win out in this in this competition. And given the guys on the roster, I think the two least 
capable of creating with their legs would be Wells and Bullock, uh, which bodes well for Kyron Drones. It bodes well for Devin Farrell. And, you know, maybe down the road, it bodes well for someone like Pop Watson or, or Dylan Wickey. But um, right now, if, you, if we had to handicap the quarterback race, it would be Drones, Wells, Farrell, and then the field, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. But, I mean, Bullock but, until camp ends and then he'll But leave. I would prefer to see Devin Farrell <laughs> over Grant Wells. Absolutely. I would too. I mean, I think it's good to have, it's good to have like, even for the struggles that Wells had, like it's good to have that type of experience on the roster at quarterback from a depth standpoint. But at the same time, where tech is as a program, like you just got to have, you just got to have the guys that fit what you're trying to do. And you're in year two of a rebuild and it, it was three, it was three and eight last year. Um, if that UVA game was played, I know UVA didn't have a great year, but if that UVA game was played. I mean, it could have been three and nine. Like yeah. this is, you can take some, this, this is, you can take some chances, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a choice. I mean, um, and, and this is a position where there isn't a choice. There, there's not a choice. You got to do something different. It didn't work yeah. last year. So you got to do something uh, different. Your best friend, Jalen Holston, is no longer playing running back for Virginia Tech this year. Yeah. Uh, God bless him, but I'm looking, to forward, him. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some fresh faces there. Uh, Good luck can to you, him. Can you, well, first of all, can you pronounce, is it Bashel Tutin or Tutton? Can you pronounce that name? <laughs> the transfer. Do you know how to say that? I think it's, Bash, I think it's Bashel Tutin. Basial tootin, okay. tootin, like he's tootin. Um, Basial tootin played one game last year. Played eleven games the year prior, but didn't have tremendous statistics. I'm not sure why he was he was an addition in the portal. I'm not. I mean, maybe they saw something there, but I'm not really sure what they're seeing. To me, this feels like prime. Bryce Duke, Malachi Thomas, Chance Black territory. At running back this year? Yeah. Thousand, thousand percent. Like, if if Malachi can stay healthy, which is a serious question, he's probably your first and second down back, right? Yeah. Oh, Keyshawn King announced that he was transferring. I don't know if that was since we last recorded. It was around the time we last recorded. Um, yeah. Last couple of weeks, he announced he was transferring. So... I just so, want to make so sure got, in case yeah. people didn't know. So, yeah. So you've got Bryce Duke, who I thought looked okay as a receiver out of the backfield last year. Yeah, I thought it was good. I'm interested in him getting more playing time. Chance Black was mm-hmm. someone who was bandied about as a potential uh, transition to wide out. I don't think that that's going to happen at this point. Kenji Christian, we have no idea what, what's going on there. The, the running back race is wide open, though. There is – like Malachi Thomas does not have a stranglehold on anything. So no, I mean barely played last any, year. Anyone that wants wants playing time can earn it there. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at running. It's it's running backs one of the more interesting positions. I mean, it was interesting going into last year. It's even more interesting going into this year because Malachi was hurt, didn't play a lot last year. 
Um, and really, like, you're still trying to figure out what you got there, right? He had basically three really good games as a freshman. You're still trying to figure out what you got with him. Like, I'm not totally convinced that he's like this slam dunk number one that I think a lot of fans think he is. I, I think he's got potential to be that, right? But and he certainly put on weight and all that, but, you know, he was hurt. So we just kind of have to see. I did like what I saw out of Bryce Duke. I was hoping Bryce Duke could get more touches out of the backfield because I, I thought when he ran I'm, when he ran yeah, the ball, well. I thought he looked pretty good too. Now he will. Um, I don't. And and you mentioned Kenji Christian. He's got the build of a guy who could be an impact running back, but he hasn't played a ton in a running back rotation that has been playing a lot of young guys. Has he played at all? Special teams? Well, has he played all at running back? <laughs> I mean, outside of blowout touches, I, I'm not sure. Let's, uh, let's check the old stats here. Negative. Kenji Christian has not recorded a stat in his career thus far. But this is also someone who was not recruited by the prior or by this current staff. Right. Right. So Kenji Christian is someone who by by my calculation, he is him and Malachi Thomas are the only guys on the roster that were recruited or that were recruited by Justin Fuente. Everyone else I think was recruited by Brent Pride. Is that correct? Or are we gonna give Bryce Duke and or, uh, I do we count? I mean, do we count transition class recruits? I mean, that's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But as far as like, I, I think we kind of do the cutoff at the 2020 class because we were talking about Bullock. Um, I guess technically the 20, the 2021 class. Um, I think we do the cutoff at Bullock. Fair enough. Like, like we did with Bullock. Um, but yeah, yeah so the running back room is wide open. Yeah, it's wide open. It's been wide open. I mean, yeah, no I thought Keyshawn, and I thought it's a bummer. I thought Keyshawn King played well last year, and just <laughs> there just really <laughs> there just really wasn't there wasn't consistency up front really all year. And no. I thought I thought Keyshawn Keyshawn's going to be a, a decent loss, I think, because like we always talked about the potential that he had. I think last year he was really starting to show it even though like the offensive line situation was what it was, I did think like last year was the most consistent that we've seen Keyshawn King be as, as far as, you know, workload and how hard he was running. And I, I just, I think that's a decent loss. It is. It is. I mean, he, he probably would have been QB one coming into coming in or QB RB one coming into the year. But yeah, just not consistent enough. He's had some ball security issues. Um, but anytime you lose a guy that's explosive, you're kind of kind of worried about it. Wide receiver. Yeah. Is... So let's start start with the start with what you were talking about before we hit record with receiver. I I, I don't want to ruin your column that you're writing, but at least tease it. I got you. So yeah, I, I am working on something regarding the offensive additions to the roster, but Virginia Tech's added three transfers at receiver so far this um, this winter. They've added Daquan Felton, uh, Jalen Lane, and Allie Jennings. Um, 
Ollie Jennings from Old Dominion. A lot of Tech fans are familiar with him already. Um, Felton, Lane, and Jennings each would have led the Hokies in receptions and receiving touchdowns last year. Yeah. And Lane and Jennings both would have led the team in receiving yards. So is it fair to say that each of those three guys have like an inside line to start next year? Yeah. I, I Yeah. Because I mean, look at the, look at the types of receivers they are. Right. So Daquan Felton, six, three, Allie Jennings, six, two, right. Um, bigger bodied outside type guys, Jalen Lane, really, really. I, if, if, seen any Jalen Lane highlights if you haven't oh my god um speed which which is great tech's been missing that also someone found by the um the all-knowing and tremendous uh wise man that is Rick Stockstill yes yes the (laughs) a god amongst men as I believe Andrew has referred to him in the past which is Andrew will, Andrew will appreciate that we we made sure that we mentioned that Jalen Lane came from Middle Tennessee. He came from Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, uh, yeah. we we so, would be. Yeah, Jalen Lane is Jalen Lane is a burner. So yeah. that's something Tech hasn't really had on the roster in a while. I mean, they've had some guys over the years, the last several years, that had speed, but could never translate it on the field. Right. But Jalen Lane's done that, which is encouraging because it maybe could open a lot of stuff up, but. So I want to I want to bring up a couple names to you that I'm I'm very curious to see what your thoughts on them are. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Lofton, guys entering what his third year in the program now. Yeah, Tex added three transfers, all of which have been more productive than Lofton. Yeah, um, I mean, the way I look at it, like he didn't secure that job when he had the chance, right? So now he's going to be competing with a guy in Jalen Lane that has been really, really good, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's going to be – I get Lane's coming over to the ACC. Things are a little bit different, but, like, that's going to be tough. And even – this might be a name you're going to bring up, so I don't want to ruin this, but, like, Tucker Holloway started taking some snaps from Lofton later in the year, right? And Holloway was really good on special teams last year. Does he have more of a role offensively? Yeah. Like, the next name I wanted to bring up was Jalen Jones, who is in a yeah. similar situation yep. to Dwayne Lofton as someone that's been around now for a little bit, hasn't secured consistent playing time at receiver, and now seems to be buried on the depth chart. I think Tucker Holloway will find a way, at least into the two deep. Um, his punt return last year was was pretty electrifying. I think he's got some some real he's talent. He's fast, receiver. man. He's so fast. Yeah. Uh, I am going to be very, very upset if Christian Moss is not in the 2D. Like, that guy that guy got buried on the depth chart for no damn reason. Every time he stepped foot on the field last year, he looked like he belonged. I agree. I agree with – I. so I agree with the second part of that statement. The first part of that statement being no damn reason. Man, there was some damn reason. I don't know if it was practice or what. There was <laughs> – when when we saw him, when we saw him play, we saw he looked like he deserved saw. to be at least yeah. in the two deep. And I agree. I agree. By the end of the year, he was behind Stephen Gosnell, and yeah, I mean it, it was it was a bad look. 
Dallin Wright, another guy that may be finding himself passed over. Yeah. Savian Turner Bradshaw, same thing. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and a, a, I don't think Stephen Gosnell is going to play a, a real role uh, this coming year. I think there's there's too many guys ahead of him at this point. But there's a few guys on this roster now that I think are going to find themselves in trouble in terms of, uh, in terms time. of playing time that, yeah. are, that are not in the early portion of their careers anymore. Like Lofton, Jalen Jones, they've been around long enough, excuse me, that – it's kind of put up or shut up time for those guys. And if they get, if, if both of them get beaten out by these three transfers, then um, that that might be all she wrote. I mean, are, are, are we, are we pretty sure that Ali Jennings is receiver number one? Yeah, that's, I, that's I, I am. I, I am. I think, it's, I think it's pretty set there. I think Felton needs to do a little bit to, to reserve his spot. Norfolk yeah. State's not a very good program right? historically, although I think they've been a little bit better of late. Um, obviously, they're playing FCS in the MIAC, mm-hmm. so competition level, not not all that great, right? but definitely has the physical build. Jalen Lane, I, I, he may be kind of a, a guy that's only used in certain packages because right. he is uh, – he is kind of a niche guy, but he's really good at what he does. Yeah. So th- there's room, I think, for guys like Lofton and Jones to to get some playing time, but they just haven't haven't shown that they're that they're capable of holding it down. Yeah, and I I think bringing in veteran receivers like Virginia Tech has tried to do right. Pry and his staff have been kind of really searching the portal for these experienced guys, especially when you lose Caleb Smith, which is going to be a huge loss, huge loss. Um, underrated his entire career, really good player. Um, we all slept on Caleb, every one of us. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> like, no, he's not an elite wideout, but he was never an average guy. I mean, like, yeah. he's he's got a chance. I don't know what Notre Dame's offense is going to look like now that Tommy Reese is gone, but w- when he went there and, and, um, and Sam Hartman was going there, I'm thinking, yeah. okay, like, Caleb's got a chance to put up some numbers next year. Yeah, if he can stay healthy, and Tuck's gonna miss that. Yeah, I mean, if he's a take at a perennial top fifteen program, which is what they've been for the better part of the last like twelve or thirteen years, um, yeah. that's you're gonna miss that guy. Um, you're mentioning like Kyron Drones earlier. We were like, yeah, you know, he better be the guy. But like he also hasn't taken a college snap yet. But you know they, he was number one on the big board. All that. The difference between that situation and this situation that we're talking about right now is like these are veteran guys who have contributed meaningful snaps at the college level. Like Allie Jennings, especially like he's he's going to be playing. Yeah, he's going to be playing big time snaps. I agree with you. Probably wide receiver one. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Jalen Lane, I think is going to be a, a niche role, but I think it's. You know, they're going to want that speed on the field, especially if, you know, this offense ends up being like that new look spread type system. You know, I feel like that's, you know, maybe where guys like Holloway and guys like Dewan Lofton and, you know, those types of guys get on the field a little bit more because you're thinking less like line up in 12 personnel and you're thinking more like, let's go be like the Chiefs and <laughs> spread everything out. 
and get speed on the edge and all that stuff that, you know, you see out of really successful college offenses is what kind of you're hoping for when you watch tech play now, at least with the guys are starting to recruit and bring in and kind of how they talk about wanting to play offense now, which is a clear pivot from when Pry and his staff first got here. They were like, we're going to hang our hat on our defense. We're going to run the ball really well. You know, the tight ends are going to be used. You know, the tight ends weren't used well last year. You know, they're talking about how the tight ends are going to be used and didn't, didn't happen. There's been a clear pivot, right? Prize adjusting, which is what you do if you're trying to figure things out. You try to adjust, try new things. I think speed is going to be at a premium on this on this offense. I, th- I think we're going to see a clear – the offense might not be very good, Rick, but I think there's going to be a clear pivot in the types of guys that are seeing playing time potentially. I'm really interested to see kind of how that looks now. And one of the reasons one of the reasons they're gonna potentially get away from that twelve personnel is they don't have much at tight end. So now we Right and that's Nick it. Gallo coming Nick back. Gallo. Um but all you're getting there is experience. You're not really getting a an explosive playmaker or even a a, a reliable blocker. Daquan Wright seems like he's got some really good skills in the past game, but needs a lot of help blocking behind him. Cole Pickett, Benji Gosnell, Harrison St. Germain, um, Ezekiel Wimbush is going to gray shirt apparently, which is just wild. I haven't heard of that. I hadn't heard that phrase in a while. God, um, who was the um, Drew Harris? I was waiting on yeah. the gray shirt, the last gray shirt I could think of that never ended up suiting up for Virginia Tech mm-hmm. through Harris. That's a while so, ago. So you can't really play these two tight end sets if only one of your guys is a reliable pass catcher and the guy that is a reliable pass catcher struggles to block. Yeah. I really don't know about tight end. And they and they did not address this position in the transfer portal. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know what they're going to do there. Maybe they're just not. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna spread guys out, you're gonna you're maybe gonna don't care as much, right? Then then Daquan Wright makes sense because he's effectively right. a big wide receiver, so you can use him in that role. But if if you're gonna try and play, you know, some heavier heavier packages. Uh, I, I don't know who your second tight end is next to Nick Gallo. And, and even again, Nick Gallo is not like an elite blocker. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what the, the long-term plan there is. No. That's not a position group that is set up for smash mouth power football. And I just don't think they're going to be that kind of offense because of that. I think it's a big reason why, right? I, I think and probably the other the quarterback is, is the offensive line, right? Like, like I, <laughs> I, I don't know who your I don't know who your starters are, and so you get what Parker Clements, right? He's he's probably going to start. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> with how he's played, unfortunately. So Jack Hollifield, um, starting center, which. He got into the two deep quick. And then uh, Jesse Hansen, who uh, I covered as a recruit out of Botetourt, 
Um, hasn't really developed at left guard. Uh, Braylon Moore, I guess, is probably going to start as well with Caden. Yeah, Moore. right guard. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're kind of Xavier Chaplin, maybe as someone who's who starts at tackle. I don't yeah. Know. Um, are are either Johnny Dixon or Brody Meadows or Johnny Garrett ready to go? Probably not. Yeah, so you, you're gonna have you're gonna have Cade Moore. I mean, Cade Moore is probably gonna hold down right guard. Yeah, Braylon's gonna play what center or left guard? I mean, he, he, one of the two. I mean, and see, this is the thing. Like, I'm not sure Jesse Hansen has a starting spot on this offensive line. No, I don't. Line. I was gonna say and, and you brought up his name. I'm not sure. And that's not because the guys around him are really good. It's because no one on this line, except for Caden Moore has shown the ability to be like a plus lineman. Right. Like Caden Moore's got some work to do, but he's, he's got like, th- there's some talent there that you feel like for sure he can, he can grow and develop. I can't say that about Jack Hollifield or Xavier Chaplin or Parker Clements. Um, and then of course, another position that wasn't addressed in the transfer portal. So your four, your four new guys are all freshmen. Now, granted, Tech's highest-rated recruit in the class was a, a an offensive lineman, um, but in terms of the, the in terms of the roster this year, there's the, uh, Joe Rudolph's got his his work cut out for him. It can't be worse. Can it? <laughs> I mean, it can always. It can always get worse, but Tech was really bad last year on the offensive line. And Tech's they, offensive line, I mean, we can talk about Grant Wells. We can talk about lack of a running game, lack of production at receiver. There is no bigger reason, in my opinion, that Virginia Tech went 3-8 and eight than the offensive line. I mean, I kind of lumped the entire offense into, into the I same mean, it's thing. fair. Like, That's like, fair. They didn't have anyone at quarterback capable of, of creating. No one at running back was capable of of of, of carrying the team. The wide Overcoming receivers a bad offensive line. Yeah. The wide receivers weren't capable of generating separation consistently, and the offensive line didn't buy their quarterback enough time nor create enough holes in the running game. So it was really a, a like every level of of the offense failed. And no depth. Last and year. no and no depth. Yeah. So yeah, the, the offensive line's got some, like like Xavier Chaplin's young, very little experience. Jack Hollyfield, very little experience. Braylon Moore, very little experience. Uh, Dixon, Meadows, and Garrett, no playing experience. Uh, Jesse Hansen's got a lot of experience, but it's not very good. Parker Clements, a look, he's got more experience and is a little bit better. He's kind of. Uh, a middle of the road tackle, I guess. But Caden Moore's the guy, and even then, Caden Moore's a little inconsistent. So, um, there's there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot to not like on the offensive line, unfortunately. This could be a mess again. Yeah, yeah, it could. I mean, quarterbacks a question mark. So. 
the person running the show. You don't really know what to believe in them or the wide receiver is going to be able to generate that separation that we talk about all the time. Maybe who knows? I mean, the highest degree of confidence I have in the entire offense is receiver. And that's only because like the guys are bringing in, I know have been productive other places, but like they haven't been productive at they, but they haven't been productive at the power five level. Yeah. So like, I don't, but even then that, that's the best that Tech has got. I know. Like, yes. like the the receiving room seems like it's the best room on offense right now. And then and then after that, I'd say God, when's the last time we said that? The receiving yeah, room. God. Maybe, maybe running back. Because I feel like Malachi Thomas has got some there. I kind of believe in Bryce Duke. I think so so I think the ceiling, I think ceiling is well, unless Kyron Jones just comes in and is just like unreal all ACC caliber quarterback. I that feel like nice. that would be great. That would be really, I mean, truthfully, that would be really helpful. <laughs> like, um, Believe it or so, not. <laughs> uh, I think wide receiver is where Tech's got the big, the, like the highest ceiling in terms of like skilled position players that could produce it. I think the highest ceiling is probably a receiver, but I think the most certainty is at running back, which is scary. But at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, we've seen Bryce Duke play and be productive. We've seen Chance Black play and be productive. We've seen Malachi Thomas play and be productive. Like we've seen we've seen that. So like can they put it together now more consistently with more snaps? Over under over under a hundredth in the country in scoring offense. God, it's gotta be for, for context, Virginia Tech averaged 19.3 points per game last year and was 118th. Virginia Tech was lower. Virginia Tech had a worse yards per play than Iowa. To give you an idea of how bad this offense was last year. They were it worse than Iowa. Them, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Narrowly. <laughs> For those who uh, are listening, Mike uh, is not impressed. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, like, I, I don't – I haven't seen that Virginia Tech was 119th in total offense last year. Jesus. Um, I, I think Virginia Tech being a top – I think, truthfully, Virginia Tech being like top 85 offense would be a, a gigantic step in the right direction and would be honestly, like, workable if the defense is good. Like, just being, like – you're you're not even like really mediocre, but you're better than you were last year. Like that would be fine. How many games yeah. did we watched last year were like Tech's offense was so bad that like they couldn't even compete against like some of the worst teams on the schedule. I mean, it was so so bad in some games. Yeah, I mean they scored seventeen against ODU. They scored twenty seven against one of the worst FCS teams in the country. They scored 10 against a bad West Virginia team. They scored 10 against a bad Carolina defense. Uh, they scored 14 against Miami. Seven to Duke. God. A mess, dude. So, yeah, like, it's just up and down. Bad, bad offensively. It's a total mess. I'm, I'm going to go over. I, I don't think that this offense is going to be much better than last year's. I really don't. I mean – 
I like, want it to be so bad, but I think I agree be, with they you. They could be 15 spots better and still not be in the top 100. Isn't that wild? They were 119. It's hard. Dude. It's hard. Out of 131 FBS teams, Virginia Tech ranked 119th in scoring offense. Total offense? Scoring offense. Total offense? Uh, I think both, actually. Oh. It was either 118th in one and 119th in the other or 119th in both. It was the worst offense. I have to it's, go verify this. It's the worst this. offense I've ever seen averaging attack. That was the worst. What, that I, I got to go back and verify far. this. I got to verify this. Was this the worst offense in school history? Uh, I'm sure there was some offense in like the dead ball era, which <laughs> which was which was bad, but. Uh, the dead ball era. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, for for context, Tech was 58th in defense last year. Um, Which I, you know what, you know what, Rick. I will say this though, like pretty impressive considering how bad the offense was. Pretty damn impressive to be inside the top 60. Yeah, they got no help. Zero. Um, I mean, I, they they got negative help. Yeah, and they had like, a first year defensive coordinator. Yeah, a first-year defensive coordinator who, by the way, was like calling the defense in like last four or five games of the year. So, I mean, he was calling the shots there. I mean, Pry obviously heavily involved, but I mean, that's that's a good sign. So, um, yeah, last year's offense was pretty pretty awful, and I think they got better at quarterback in terms of overall talent. I think they got better at wide receiver, obviously. I think they're they're kind of – I think they lost a little bit at running back. And until we see something else, losing Keyshawn King is not a small deal. Offensive line, I'm not sure that they got better. Like, I, you, maybe it's, a, it's some addition by subtraction in the sense that, you know, God love him, Silas Jansey was, was not a, a – not a very good left tackle. No. Um uh, Johnny Jordan, I, I I don't know that you got much out of him other than maybe some experience. So yeah, like there, there's, I'm not sure that they got better on the offensive line, even though they lose some of the guys that really held them back last year. So theoretically, you get a little bit better at quarterback because you add someone who's really talented in, in Kyron Drones. And theoretically, you get better at receiver because you added some guys that have actually caught some passes. So with that said, though, I still don't know if this offense is going to be noticeably better. It's going to be a fun season. We'll talk about, is going to be a great year. I was going to say, we'll, we'll talk about the defense next week. We'll feel better about it, things, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I, I really do hope so. This past year was rough. Not to mention, this is probably going to be the first um, – I'm, I'm planning on taking my girlfriend to a game that, that, um, this fall, and I'd rather her not see a team that's stepping on, on their own genitalia. I think we can end on that. <laughs> I think that's uh, it's a good way to end it. It's a good way to end it. Rick, we'll talk next week. 
rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, yes. Tweet at Andrew and heckle him for uh, not being here. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's all I got. Hopefully, you don't see any more uh, spy balloons until we record the next podcast. So, <laughs> uh, I mean. I, I look. Some some folks are here for the aliens and the in 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 the arrival of an extraterrestrial species. I'm not okay. All I'm I will say, all I will say, 100 not here for it. All I'll say, I'll keep this brief. This didn't used to happen. Okay, we'll talk next week. Thank <laughs> you.